Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Uh, Good to see you this morning. Welcome to Palm Sunday. We got a great lesson today. Uh, Palm Sunday prophecies that prove the Bible is true. Amen. And so it's a great study. Uh, and uh, we're going to teach on that today as we get into Passion Week, uh, leading up to the resurrection of the Lord. And so uh, as we begin today, uh, God, uh, let me state the obvious, God gave us the Bible for many important reasons. A big reason and a way to look at the Bible is uh, the Bible is a road map. Right? We're trying to get somewhere, and it's nice to have direction. <laughs> right? Uh, nowadays, you know, people don't necessarily use maps, they use GPS. <laughs> turn right, turn left, left, right, left. But uh, God wants us to use the roadmap for salvation. What, what is the way to salvation? But he also wants us to use the Bible as a roadmap to live a successful life. Who wants more success in life? I see all your hands. But it also shows us many of the prophetic and messianic signs so that the Messiah could be recognized and believed in. Okay, that's happened and it's been happening for uh, uh, since the days of Abraham. Amen. Now, the Old Testament, uh, which of course was written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, contains over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life, death, and resurrection. And I created a handout that has a couple of them. Uh, They've got on the internet, you can uh, get all kinds of lists. I just made my own, and uh, there's the top 20, maybe you add to it. Uh, But as I was putting together prophecies about uh, the Messiah, I came across uh, this information that just was really uh, interesting, fascinating to me, that the probabilities of any one person fulfilling over 300 Bible prophecies is absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, For example, one of the biggest jackpots ever in the National Lottery Mega Millions that total 1.6 billion. A couple years back, you might remember, uh, one point, somebody won 1.6 billion. Instant billionaire! Okay, well, when you see that happen in someone else's life, (laughs) you're, But uh, the odds of winning that $1.6 billion were, were about $303 million to one. Which is, you know, uh, the odds of winning it are uh, just a little bit better than if you had never bought a ticket at all. <laughs> 
But what I found, and it just this is I want to share this with you, uh, the odds of Jesus just fulfilling 48, I don't know why they decided in 48, uh, is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Now, now I don't know what the heck that means. So I had to have the, you know, a bunch of zeros. Uh, so the chance of Jesus fulfilling just 48 of the over 300 Bible prophecies is one chance in a trillion, 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 trillion. <laughs> so that gives us some perspective there. It's an example. It's really evidence. Right, proving that Jesus is the Messiah, and so much more. Uh, it reminds me that the Bible is true. Okay, that's why I put together 20 of the 300-plus uh, prophecies. That's evidence in your hand, in your Bible, that you can share. How do you know Jesus is true? Well, let me pull out my prophecy list. He fulfilled all of these, and it would be like if you filled the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollar coins and then just took one silver dollar and marked it with a Sharpie pen and then had somebody hide it anywhere from from uh, Nogales to El Paso, from Corpus Christi uh, up to uh, Gainesville, uh, hide that, and then uh, now go find it, and they found it on the very first try. That's the kind of odds we're talking about, and that just encourages us. The Bible is true, and God is the God of the Bible. He is who he says he is. And uh, not in, uh, in addition, there's all these eyewitness accounts. In fact, you can look at your Bible, and especially like the New Testament letters, those are signed affidavits, right? Paul's letters, Peter's letters, John's letters, Peter, Paul, and Mary's letters. <laughs> always like to say that. Those are signed affidavits, and people died for signing that affidavit. They were tortured for signing Renounce that and you can live. No, I'm not renouncing that. It's evidence, right? Uh, and so it validates that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is real. The Messiah is real. The Bible is real. His plans for you to receive eternal life and abundant life as real as real can get. All right? How many of you would shout amen? You, you know Jesus is real. You've accepted him. You're committed to him. Amen? Amen. I did that, my wife and I, in 1984. 37 years later, we're like a Timex watch. We may have taken a licking, but we keep on ticking. So uh, all of that is kind of the background to Palm Sunday. And there's lots of prophecies that are fulfilled during the Passion Week that begin on Palm Sunday. So it's worth taking a look at it uh, because it establishes the reliability, the credibility, the validity. It gives us the overwhelming proof that the greatest story ever told is a true story. Amen. Amen. But here's... Uh, uh, 
part of what makes Palm Sunday so interesting is it's actually the biblical celebration of the great Shabbat. How many of you were here Friday night or watched by stream pastors teaching on the great Shabbat? There's tons and tons of stuff. We'll touch on some of the the stuff today. But this great Shabbat uh, was what ushered in the very first Passover 3,400 plus years ago in Egypt. And uh, uh, it, uh, it launched Passover week. We now celebrate Passion Week, but we should be selling, pa- celebrating Passion Week and Passover Week. In fact, uh, uh, the great Shabbat, and we can't teach all the revelation there, it's one of uh, Israel's most historic dates. Because that set in motion, a lot of things set in motion, but this was kind of like the last thing uh, before uh, Passover. Uh, and the great Shabbat always is the Shabbat, the Friday night right before Passover. But uh, on the flip side, uh, the great Shabbat, became eventually in the Gentile church that was trying to de-Judaize the faith, uh, they invented Palm Sunday. We don't understand this, but historically, you can go back and research this yourself, but Palm Sunday didn't become Palm Sunday until 800 years after the birth of Jesus. 800 years Right? Okay, so uh, get in your DeLorean, go back there, and uh, you'll see it's true. So, you know, and so from the time of uh, uh, the uh, destruction of the temple and when the church Gentile leaders began to outnumber the Jewish leaders, all of a sudden there was this effort to de-Judaize things. We don't want Jerusalem to speak for us. We live in Europe. We want Rome to speak for us. And so there was this lengthy process with all these various councils of all uh, the politicians and the priests to rewrite the Bible, and uh, suddenly uh, Passover became Easter. Uh, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, became Pentecost. And so many other Jewish things were Christianized. And the great Shabbat eventually became Palm Sunday. And in some ways it's okay. But really what we're trying to do at New Beginnings, what you're trying to do as a believer, if you're listening on the podcast or got a CD of this, you're trying to reconcile these things together how can these things be united instead of separated how instead of dividing what god established in the old testament and dividing and separating it from the new testament how does it harmonize it it was meant to be harmonized it's a continuation not a termination all right so All of these events, prophetically, uh, have great importance. And God's plan was always going back to the uh, uh, one of the key chapters, Leviticus 23. Let me establish feasts, festivals, Bible holidays. 
Leviticus 23. And within those Bible holidays, I'm going to hide my plan of redemption. All right, so I have uh, a grand design, a grand plan for how this thing is going to unfold. And a lot of how it unfolds is hidden in the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and uh, the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. The spring feasts speak of Jesus' first coming, the Messiah's first coming, and the fall holidays point us towards the second coming. And as we understand that all of those Old Testament events, God gave for a purpose to foreshadow future events. He was wanting to transform Passover into something greater. And all these other things into something even greater. To amplify what already existed into something greater. Not to erase all of that and to, you know, uh, 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 you know, kind of disenfranchise yourself. You need to unhitch yourself from all of that. As one famous Christian pastor wrote recently. Unhitch yourself from all of that. It's bondage and it's, it's caca. It's yuck, yucky. Where's the yuck stickers? So the great Shabbat has and always should have had uh, maintained a very special level of prophetic importance because it was pointing to Palm Sunday. Okay? And Palm Sunday is when Jesus launched Passion Week. Okay? Uh, Great Shabbat launches Passover Week. Jesus coming into Jerusalem launches Passion Week. But it's the same week. It's meant to be celebrated and honored and respected and commemorated in uh, in unity. What happened uh, 3,500 years ago and what happened 2,000 years ago, it, we should just unite that and uh, learn from it and be excited that, wow, look at all of this rich revelation knowledge God gave us. Okay, so Passover week uh, launched one of the greatest miracles the world had ever seen, the greatest miracle the world had ever seen in the Exodus, and that's in Judaism, the first great redemption. For Christians, it, it revealed the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and a second great redemption, and both are interconnected, okay? And they point us towards one final redemption that hasn't happened yet, right? And the thing is, both Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Christians, are expecting a final redemption. Jews believe in the Messiah, right? They know the king is coming. They just don't believe that Jesus is that king and for, very, uh, uh, for a lot of good reasons. Uh, but some aren't so good. Right? So ancient literature teaches that even though it's called Shabbat Hagadol or the great Shabbat, the Jewish people and the rabbinical leaders and uh, scholars still question why. They re- and they really don't know why uh, God introduced all of that. And so uh, they're not unlike Christians. 
right? Christians don't even know about the great Shabbat, right? What's going on on God's calendar? I didn't even know God had a calendar. God has a day timer? (laughs) Not for his benefit. It's for yours. It's for mine. Yours, mine, and ours. So, thank God in the last days, he's showing us how all of this uh, is united. It jointly fits together. There's restoration going on. And you can either be a part of it, or you can be the old wineskin that doesn't want any part of it. Oh, I don't want to learn any of that. Well, gosh, I, I wonder, wonder when Jesus asked somebody about that. How come when you, were, you didn't care about learning any of that? How are you going to feel looking the Lord in the eyes and saying, well, I already knew what I wanted to know, and I didn't want to learn anymore? Oh, gosh, okay. Good job there, believer. Nice attitude. So what makes Palm Sunday, great, the great Shabbat, so important? As I mentioned, this is when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Uh, it's at the very end, of course, you saw the movie. It's at the very end of his ministry. It was a special day, right? Because the multitudes acknowledged Jesus at that moment as the Messiah. Tens of thousands of Jews had gathered for the Passover celebration. They came from around the world. Jerusalem was packed, right? And uh, they were there to bring their Passover offering. What breaks the power of Pharaoh in Egypt? What breaks the power of sin? And uh, what uh, puts our enemies at bay? It's hidden in the Passover offering. And that's why we're receiving a, a Passover offering today in the main service. Part of it, yeah, is so that the first fruit blessing in the open windows of heaven, we want that. But sometimes you gotta, it's hard to enjoy the blessing when the enemy has overrun your home. Right? And so, sow that offering today twofold. No, devil, you are a liar. God's promises are yes and amen. Salvation, forgiveness, deliverance, freedom, victory in every way. I loosen it over my life. I bind every enemy, pull down every stronghold, break every curse in the name and by the blood of my Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the other side of the coin is, thank you for pouring me out a blessing. There's not room enough to contain it. So this particular great Shabbat was the same day uh, when the nation of Israel was selecting the Passover lamb that would be sacrificed in the temple for the sins and the, uh, the blessing of all the nation of Israel. People did it individually, but it also was a one sacrifice for the whole nation. Okay? And just a side note, guess where they raised the Passover lambs? Where were the Passover lambs raised? There wasn't a random spot. The Passover lambs were raised in a city just south of Jerusalem, in a shepherd's field in Bethlehem. Why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? 
because he was a Passover lamb where all the Passover sheep and lambs were uh, birthed and raised in Bethlehem. So when they chose their Passover lamb, they had to choose it in advance of Passover how many days? Four days to see if they, they inspected it to see if there were any uh, blemishes because there could be, your, the sac- could have no blemish. Right? And so that happened, uh, uh, that event happened on Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, but it really is the great Shabbat because if you get in your DeLorean and go all the way back to the very first Passover, that's what happened. God gave Moses and the people a great list of instructions. Take a lamb. The lamb was uh, the God of Egypt, one of the many gods of Egypt. The God of prosperity, they, and suddenly four days before the angel of death, the te- tenth plague came through, they, all of a sudden you got all these Hebrew slaves gathering lambs. And as a slave, you don't have many rights, if any rights. So all the Egyptian masters are wondering, what the heck is go? What are you doing with our God? Well, this is what our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob said to do. You're going to do what? You're going to slaughter that lamb, sacrifice that lamb, and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and because there's a plague coming? Yeah, so that, that's the uh, origins of Palm Sunday, the uh, selecting of the lamb and the examination of the lamb. And it was this very day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the Lamb of God. And Passover week then eventually became Passion Week. This, this was the only time in Jesus' ministry that he allowed himself to accept the title of Messiah. Most of the, every other time, no, 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 I'm the Son of Man. No, no, no. But this time it was different. And uh, as these events unfolded, our Lord and Savior was fulfilling many of these prophecies. And the fact that he fulfilled so many of these prophecies in one week, is the odds of that are mind-boggling, as we were mentioning. But here in Matthew 21 is part of the story. In verse 1, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. That always happens with stuff on my desk. Where'd my stuff go? And somebody on the church staff probably thought, well, the Lord had need of it. <laughs> I have need of it. Doing, <clears throat> But anyways, uh, all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And what this is fulfilling is what the prophet Zechariah had prophesied in Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! 
Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so Jesus fulfilled that. Amen. Now Israel, excuse me, Israel surely knew this prophecy. That the Messiah was coming uh, at some point riding on a donkey or a colt. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, things had been building for three and a half years. And so Jesus was very well known. The multitudes loved him. The elitist secular leaders hated him. Because it was a threat to their power and authority. And they responded, the people, the multitudes responded. They were there, they were gathered for uh, the, the Passover lamb, little L. And all of a sudden, the Passover lamb, capital L, showed up. And they responded by waving and spreading out their palm branches. And they shouted... Uh, messianic praises, as it says in Matthew 21.9. It says, praise God for the Son of David. They're saying this to Jesus. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And this is fulfillment of the prophecy in Psalm 118. Verse 25, please, Lord, Please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Many translations use the word Hosanna, which means save us. So they were looking at the Passover lamb, capital L, in the capacity that they had seen him uh, uh, over the last three and a half years, th- this must be the Messiah. Look at the signs, the wonders, the miracles. Uh, look at how, this is just magnificent. We've never seen anything like this. Hosanna! This is he that the, the Bible has prophesied would one day come. Amen. And so... All of these shouts of praise were soon countered by the leaders who wanted a chokehold on any narrative. Roman leaders and secular Jewish leaders. And so there were, they disputed, they contradicted, they opposed, they even threatened people in order to retain their authority. In time, they squelched the revival. There was a revival going on that doesn't get talked about that much. We think that everyone uh, in Jerusalem turned against Jesus. No, that's a misnomer. Multitudes still believed. And in fact, look at Acts chapter 6. After the resurrection, many of the priests believed. Revival was sweeping around Israel. Jesus is Yeshua, is the Messiah. He is the Moshiach. But ordinary people, because of the pushback, it's like, I look at what's happening in America today. You have elite 
secular leaders trying to make rules for people that want to push out the narrative or destroy or obstruct the narrative that the Bible is true. No, they want the Bible to be hate speech. They want the church deemed non-essential. They want your voice silenced, similar to what was going on back then. The majority of the people... We don't want censorship. We don't want to be canceled. We don't want to be nullified. We don't want to be labeled uh, uh, criminals. All those Christians are domestic terrorists. They believe in a, a, a doctrine that we can't allow in America. Well, that's what was going on with the leaders back then. Back then, though, they didn't elect leaders. Now we're ele- now I'm wondering people that are electing all these people that are enacting all these antichrist policies who who voted for those people <laughs> Back then they didn't vote <laughs> right you were either the have or the have not and most people were the have nots So uh here you see bible prophecy being fulfilled and it, it, it was something that was in place from uh, the very first Passover and the very first Great Shabbat. The Great Shabbat is Palm Sunday. And uh, we won't go into it all right now about what was happening in Egypt at that time. But it all modeled what was happening in Jerusalem uh, those many centuries later when Jesus came in as the Passover lamb. Now, uh, some inquisitive, scholarly-type person like you might have wondered, how did the multitudes connect the great Shabbat with the appearance of Jesus on Palm Sunday? I'm glad you thought that question. One reason is that many people knew what the prophet Daniel had prophesied on when the Messiah would appear. Uh, We don't study Daniel that much, but if you go back into Daniel, and especially Daniel 9, but uh, a lot of uh, the book of Daniel is explaining prophetic things. And the angel Gabriel, do you believe in angels? Yeah, well, even if you don't, they, they exist. (laughs) And Gabriel appeared to Daniel to begin to explain some things. And the key prophecy that Gabriel gave Daniel is an actual Bible timeline. You know what a timeline is? And it's a timeline for the coming of the Messiah. But it's one that most people never hear about. But if you go into Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, I'll read it to you. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. This is Gabriel explaining to Daniel about the coming of the Messiah. 
So then in verse 25, the angel of the Lord says, Now listen and understand. We should still be doing that today. That's why you're here. Or listening on the podcast. You want to understand more than just now I lay me. (laughs) Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, the Messiah, the prince, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. So what's going on here is this... The explanation of a timeline. From the time that Jerusalem is rebuilt, Daniel, he was part of the Babylonian captivity. They, you remember that story. They were in Babylon uh, for 70 years because they didn't keep Shemitah. And finally, uh, Artaxerxes grants the decree for Nehemiah and Ezra to come back. And suddenly they're rebuilding the wall, as you read about in Nehemiah and Ezra. Jerusalem is being uh, uh, rebuilt. But what had happened is Gabriel said uh, that uh, uh, from the time that begins, there's going to be 69 weeks, 69 weeks of years, 483 years until the anointed prince comes. And he's going to come and put an end to rebellion. uh, It's going to put an end to sin. Uh, It's going to atone for guilt. It's going to bring in everlasting righteousness. It's going to confirm all the Old Testament prophecies that uh, God had written in it. And it's going to anoint the most holy place, Jerusalem. So this scripture provides all the information anyone, especially scholars, would need to know about when the Messiah is coming. And uh, it's likely even the wise men, remember the story of the birth of Jesus, they came from Babylon, right? They probably studied in a yeshiva that Daniel started and learned all about this kind of stuff and would have easily made different calculations concerning the anointed prince. And so this is a 70-week, it's a 70-week prophetic timeline. Uh, and, And just a side note, Remember in the story in Matthew 2 with King Herod and the birth of Jesus, when the wise men showed up, all of a sudden, Herod, what, what's going on here, advisors? And what did they do? They went back to Bible prophecy, and they began to study and learn, and suddenly said, oh, yeah, we got a, we got a king of the Jews here. The, he, this might be the one that's fulfilling uh, all the prophecies from, like the main one, Micah 5, 2. And as a result, that's where Herod sent in the soldiers into Bethlehem and did what? Kill every male child two years and under to try to stop God's plan. But no man, no devil can stop God's plan. That's true for a nation. That's true for you. Amen? Amen? So Daniel's prophecy 
played an important role in determining the arrival of the Messiah 2,000 years ago. We should still know about it today. I'm glad you're learning about this. But it tells a twofold coming of the Messiah. This is the, as you dig into this prophecy, it's divided into two parts. The first 69 weeks that led to the first coming, but then there was a final week, the 70th week, that the angel separated. And he separated that out. And uh, that final week, the 70th week, is taught to be the time of Jacob's trouble or the time of the great tribulation. A time prior, just uh, prior to the second coming. That's why it's divided into two parts. First coming, second coming. That's why the holidays are divided from spring and fall. The spring, first coming of the Messiah. The fall holidays point to the second coming of the Messiah. All right? And so uh, the 70th week of Daniel that's separated out as a time prior to the second coming. Just before we go into the Sabbath millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, or what we would call the Grand Great Shabbat. That seventh 1,000-year period. Daniel was told that the prophecy that Gabriel was giving him was to be sealed until the very last days. It wouldn't be until the very last days that this prophecy would be unsealed and we would begin to understand things that we had never understood up until this very moment. And it's not a coincidence, just like the wise men from 2,000 years ago, we're studying prophecy. We're reading the signs of the coming of the king. And it's not improbable that we are the people uh, that are part of the last days and we will see the coming of the Lord. So on Palm Sunday, the great Shabbat, four days before Passover, Jesus, Yeshua, enters in to Jerusalem on a donkey in this grand prophetic messianic moment. But it didn't turn out the way everyone expected. Because he didn't come as a conquering king, but he came as a suffering servant. And he really was a conquering king as a suffering servant, if you think about it. Because he first had to conquer spiritual enemies. Sin and death was ruling and reigning, and God sent the Passover lamb to defeat those enemies. Amen? It's why this day is said to be the finishing point of Daniel's 69 weeks. This is the day our Messiah, Prince, the Anointed One, came into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, on that great Shabbat, to do what? To die for the sins of the world and to be resurrected so he conquered sin and death. And now you and I have that same spirit living in us and we need to learn how to live a resurrected lifestyle with power over sin and death and enemies. Right? So Isaiah 53, 
suffering servant. This is what Jesus did in his first coming is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 of Psalm 22. He came in riding on a donkey lowly, and that should have symbolized everybody, but they couldn't make the connection. That's why everybody needs a rabbi. (laughs) Right? He came in through the eastern gate, as was prophesied in Ezekiel 44.1. And according to tradition, the Shekinah glory of God would come into the temple through the eastern gate. And ancient tradition teaches that it will appear again when the anointed one appears again. And that day is coming soon. Now what's so interesting in all of this, in the second coming it's going to be very similar. We're going to be delivered from physical enemies, secular elites who control everything. They got their thumb on the scale. They don't want anyone to know. Ignore that man behind the curtain. (laughs) Right? These people have made a deal with the devil. Right? Right? There's some people that are just doing it, you know, ignorantly, but there's others that knowingly, have made a deal with the devil. They have sold their soul to Satan. And they are purposely trying to create antichrist policies to deceive people so that people won't believe in the one true God. But in the second coming, just like Almighty God conquered Pharaoh, just like Jesus conquered Satan, The godless rulers and the godless nations that oppose God in the last days, they will also be conquered. And one of the great scriptures is in Revelation 17, 14. They will wage war against the Lamb. Capital L. But the capital L Lamb will triumph over them because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with Him will be called His chosen and faithful followers. The army of God. That's you and me. But what happened at that first Palm Sunday which again, they didn't call it Palm Sunday until 800 years later. (laughs) They had a lot of things to rewrite. But Jesus makes an incredible statement about all of this on that Palm Sunday because he was being asked questions by his, what the heck is going on here? And in Luke 19, I'll just, for the sake of time, Jesus, in paraphrasing, he says, a lot of difficult things are going to come upon you guys because, verse 43, Luke 19, 43, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Okay, but that's a true statement for today. How many people are living today, maybe even attending church, that aren't recognizing that Jesus is about to come? You better be ready. You better be rapture ready. Well, I'll deal with getting my affairs in order, you know, later. Right now I'm having such a great time. 
I advise you, above all, don't miss the rapture. Don't miss recognizing the signs of the times and the, the rapture because after the rapture is that great tribulation and no one's going to want to live through that. In fact, most believers won't live through that. They will be martyred. So if you won't live for God now when things are relative, even though, yeah, there's persecution in some areas of the world, uh, I mean, you die for your faith. In America, not so much, but they're trying to get it to that point. These ones that have sold their soul to the devil. Now is the time to make a decision to trust in the Lord. Amen. Amen. So as we close today, uh, the and Pastor pointed this out on uh, Friday night, the Haftor, the prophetic teaching for the great Shabbat is out of Malachi. And one of the key scriptures in Malachi 3 and 4, uh, but in Malachi 4, 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before uh, the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's judgment day. That's not the rapture. That's after the tribulation, and that's the great. And so we can't get into all the nuances of that timeline. Pastor spent a couple months going through the timeline, and we put it up on the big LED wall. It's on the website even to this day. But uh, the point of all of this uh, is that God sends an end time messenger, Elijah, who precedes the return of the king, not the. Uh, Hobbit story, Return of the King. But the real king. And just like John the Baptist preceded Jesus at the first coming, Elijah will precede uh, Jesus at the second coming. And all of this goes all the way back to the very first great Shabbat, which eventually became Palm Sunday, in that God sent Moses as a messenger to Israel, to Egypt, to Pharaoh at the very first great Shabbat, and he announced that final judgment to Pharaoh in Egypt. There's an angel of death coming. You either believe in the God of gods and the King of kings, or experience the judgment. And all of that foreshadows this Malachi scripture, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. There's a judgment coming. And uh, it's launched not only to redeem people, but to judge people that have sold their soul to the devil. Uh, And back in the day, the first one, Egypt couldn't stop what was happening. Right? They were just Hebrew slaves. They should have been able to stop. No, you ain't going to take our lamb and our God. No, they were powerless. That's part of what made it great. They were powerless. In the end times, look, we may be in this world, but we're not of this world. And the enemies are not going to stop you and I from achieving and fulfilling the purposes of Almighty God. Amen? Amen? And so we're in the middle of birth pangs right now. But they are, for us, birth pangs of deliverance because our freedom in eternity is coming soon. Amen? 
And while we're going through the birth pangs before the rapture, what we don't realize is that Israel lived in Goshen back in those days. And Goshen was immune to all those plagues. You and I can be immune from all of this insanity, even though we see it, we pray against it, we intercede, pull down strongholds, we're praying for our family, we're doing all of these things to occupy until Jesus comes, as he said to do. But at the same time, uh, we're standing uh, we're standing against uh, the enemy. So, anyways, I've got to end this thing, and because uh, we've gone over. But just as John the Baptist proclaimed the first coming, and Elijah will proclaim the second coming, you and I need to carry that John the Baptist and Elijah spirit. Amen. Right? We need to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need to chew, pick and choose the right spots, but we, we shouldn't be remaining silent. All right? Even though there's political and spiritual opposition, we need to be about our Father's business preparing the world for the return of the King. Amen? And that's what uh, our message is today. God bless you. Happy Palm Sunday.